If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on show me again. Would you say that? Show me again. How many of you have ever seen something that you had to kind of take another look at? You know what I'm talking about? Because it was like, what, what was that? What, what did I just see? And so sometimes we have to see it again. Let me see if I can help illustrate the point, if you would. So that is the longest cat. It's a cat with a long body and two heads. Now, actually, it's two cats on a shelf, but when you first look at that, you wait, 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 show me that again. Do another one. And then, you know, this dog was born with a deformity. Actually, that's two dogs, but when I first looked at that, I thought, man, that dog's got a head right out of its stomach there. Next one. And do not mess with this lady. Actually, it's the guy behind her you don't need to mess with. But when you first look at that, that looks like those are huge arms on that woman. And then this one, it took me a while to figure out which chicken to put in the oven. And I thought that that one's still got a head. And then this guy, I've heard of loving your dog, but man, when you get a head transplant. So it's things that you have to look at twice or that you just need to see again. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Now, I've got to warn you, I need you to stay with me at the beginning of this, because if you don't, then you're going to try and figure out where in the world I'm at. Okay? Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. We ask you, God, just to speak to our hearts today. God, and give us eyes to see and hearts to respond. We pray, Father, for each one, God, that they might hear what you're saying, Father, and be able to give themselves to it. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So at first look of this story, if you look at it and you stop there, then you take away that the moral of this story is rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. And sadly, that's exactly what some people think because they haven't seen the rest of it. Somebody say, show me again. The, 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 the problem with that is you, you need to see the rest of the story but sometimes we take a glance at something and we come away feeling a certain way and and I've heard it 
in the church. And I, I've seen that happen, and I thought, where are you getting that stuff? The, the truth is, is that the person that is where the poor man went is rich. His name is Abraham. Abraham had riches beyond compare. There's King David that had riches beyond compare. So how many of you know there are going to be some rich folks in heaven? Amen. And there are going to be some poor people in hell. What are you talking about? Well, just take, there were two thieves at the cross, and only one of them wound up in paradise. And so now listen to me because I want to try and set some things straight for you. The scripture said, those that preach great gain for godliness do err. So it's not about what we gain in this world. That's not what determines our eternal destination. But there's also a scripture that talks about where Jesus makes a statement and he said how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now stay with me because the disciple says, who then can be saved? What's he saying? He's saying, Lord, everyone has riches. Even the poorest person have those things that they treasure. So what is it that he's trying to communicate to us? What is it that determines our eternal destination? To discover that, we need to continue to read. Look at verse 27. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Everybody say, read what they wrote. The rich, the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone is raised from the dead. Did you catch it? Did you catch in that passage what it is that determines our eternal destination? It's got nothing to do with riches. It's got nothing to do with how much I've got or how little I have. It's got everything to do with this phrase, repent of your sins and turn to God. So that's what he's communicating. He's saying, look, you've got the Moses and the prophets, which was Scripture. It was the Old Testament, if you will. That's what we call the Old Testament. And so Moses in the Old Testament gave us the law, and the law pointed out our sin, but it couldn't save us from our sin. So Moses talked about another prophet that would come. He said, there'll be a man that comes that's like unto me, and Israel will hear him. The world will hear him. The Old Testament prophets spoke about this man. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. Listen to how Isaiah identifies him. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you the way I found you. How many of you understand the phrase, I feel like I got a monkey on my back? You understand that? I didn't understand it till I went to Honduras. And in Honduras, I was in a little village and got a monkey on my back. 
And I'm telling you, when that monkey jumped on my back, I was doing everything I could. Good night, man. And it was like, you know, I couldn't reach it. I couldn't, and I'm, you know, and the, the people there are kind of laughing about it. And I'm like, get this thing off of me. And that's what sin does to our life. It fastens on to us, and it's out of our reach, and we can't get ourselves free from it. Now, here's the good news. is that we're all in the same boat. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I got some more good news. We can all get out of that boat and get in the right boat because Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And we just need to see it. Everybody say, repent. How important. You know, we, we, we treat repent like it's a dirty word. When you hear the word, repent. All of a sudden, everybody goes, Ew. repent is one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. And can I tell you a little secret? I've had to repent more than once. I know that's hard for you to believe. But I've had to repent on more than one occasion. What are you saying? The scripture said, little children sin not. But know this, that if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father through who? Christ Jesus, the righteous. He's saying, look, he came to get the monkey off your back. He came to be able to set you free. How important is that? 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence is broken with this message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's what John came preaching. Now watch this. Let me show you how important John's message is because Jesus talks about it. This is found in Luke 16 and 16. The law and the writings of the prophets were proclaimed until John. Everybody say, that was a message till John. But when John came, something changed. Watch this. He said, the law and the writings of the prophets were proclaimed, in, were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been and continues to be preached, and everyone tries to forcefully go into it. Can I tell you, you can't force your way into the kingdom. The only way you're going to get into the kingdom is to repent and turn yourselves to God. Everybody say it one more time. Repent. So we need to, sometimes we act like repenting is like, I have to admit I was wrong. How many of you have ever gotten into an argument with a family member? What's the hardest thing you have to do? Yeah, it's not saying I'm sorry. It's admitting I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I was, because mm. we, a lot of times our sorry even comes off pretty sorrowful, doesn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> even our children. I, I remember our grandchildren going, sorry. Somehow that doesn't just seem like it's sincere, does it? But you can't get to heaven except through him. And he said, repent. Jesus talks about it. He, tell, he says that this is the greatest message. Folks trying to force their way into it. Can't force your way in. Pharisees 
acted like they had a patent on the kingdom of God. Not only did they feel like they had a patent on the kingdom of God, but they acted like they were the only ones that could choose who got to go. How many of you have ever met some folks supposed to be serving God that acted like that? You know what I'm talking about? You go in, oh, praise God. I'm so, they, they're standing on a street corner going, I thank God I'm like, not like that man. I always expected that sinner to look up and say, I thank God I'm not like you. <laughs> But the truth is, is that we all have to find that place in our hearts where we surrender to God. Everybody say surrender. So John's message comes forcefully. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus speaks about John's message, and John even talks about who Jesus is to his disciples. Because his disciples get to this place where they don't really like the transition that's happening. And if you look at St. I'm sorry, look at uh, St. John 3, verse 26. It says, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man that you met, or the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us john replied no one can receive anything unless god gives it from heaven you yourselves know how plainly i told you i am not the messiah i'm only here to prepare the way for him it's the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows therefore i am filled with joy at his success and he must become greater and greater and i must become less and less john understood who Jesus was. He understood the importance of it. Pharisees didn't get it. Jesus is trying to show them. He's trying to get them to see, and they don't see. And so Jesus tells them in John 39, you search and keep on searching and examining the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And yet it is those very Scriptures that testify about me and still you're unwilling to come to me so that you might have life. I thought how much that sounds like the day that we live in. When you mention the name of Jesus, people run in the opposite direction. Here's the sad part. Is sometimes we're embarrassed to say anything about him. I want to share something with you, and I really want you to get this. You need to understand that you are the only hope your friends may have of coming to know him. Because if you don't tell them about him, who will? So the next time you're standing in front of your friends, you need to ask yourself this question, are they ready? And if they're not ready, ask yourself this question, do I want to see them in hell or do I want to see them step into heaven and experience the joy of the Lord? John is so adamant about who Jesus is 
that when his disciples are trying to get him to, you know, hey, you were here first, you know, and now, now everybody's going to Jesus. John's looking at him and saying, I told you I'm not the Messiah. I told you that I've got to decrease and he has to increase. They sent priests and Levites to John. And when they sent them to John, they asked him, they said, who are you? Are you that prophet or are, are you the Messiah? He said, no, that's not who I am. He said, then who are you? And he makes this statement. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John recognized who he was. He recognized why he was here. He recognized, and he, he cites Isaiah the prophet. He said, this is what Isaiah said. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's who I am. Something happens. John's as bold as a lion when he's speaking to his disciples. He's not pulling any punches with them. He's not, he, he, he's not arguing about who he is. He's stating the fact of who Jesus is. And then there's a shift. And I want you to listen to what John says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, Are you the one coming or do we look for another? This guy had just stood up and proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. He had just adamantly told him or told them who Jesus was. But now this man that said, behold, the Lamb of God is now asking a question. Are you the Lamb of God? What's going on? Why is this happening to him? Why has John's thought process shifted? It's because John's circumstances have changed. John's sitting in prison trying to figure out why Jesus has left him there. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where your circumstances screamed so loud that it threatened to drown out your faith? You ever been to a point where you, you, you just find yourself in a place and you're thinking, God, where are you? Where are you at? And I mean, John, is, it's got to be thinking, look, I, I, I recognize that you're the Lamb of God and I've already declared that, you know, that you're the Messiah. And I, and I know that your ministry had to grow, but I thought I would at least still have a ministry. Maybe John's beginning to wonder if, look, I've heard about this guy. This guy's opening up blinded eyes, and he's making, he's raising the dead. If he can raise the dead, can't he get me out of jail? I mean, I thought, it's, it's not like I expected some great thing, but I thought at least, I, I, I thought at least that maybe I would, I, I, I would open for him in his crusades. 
Maybe he would have me where I was able to help train his disciples. Surely I thought that, you know, there, there would be something that I would be able to join him with, something that he would pull me into ministry with, and I would work alongside of him. But I never dreamed in a million years that I'd be sitting in this prison while he's out doing ministry. Somebody explained that to me. So he calls the disciples and said, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go ask him if he's the one that should come or should we be looking for someone else because nothing that's happening to me right now makes any sense. John's disciples go and they find Jesus. Do you know what they find Jesus doing? All you have to do is read that passage because he gives you a clue. He tells them to go show John again those things that you do see and hear. This isn't something that they've heard about. This is something they saw while they're there. Before, as a matter of fact, if you study Scripture, you find out that all these miracles start taking place while they're standing there watching. And so he says, you go show John again what you hear and see. The deaf hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and the dead are raised. They have to ask Jesus if he's the one. Do you think that I want to ask him if he's the one that should come after I just watched him raise a dead man? Do you think I'm anxious to go up to him and, and question who he is after he's opened up blinded? I can almost see his disciples looking at what's going on between, you know, those, those miracles and looking at one another. You ask him. I ain't asking him. You ask him. And they know they've got to ask him, but they've seen this powerful stuff and they're thinking, man, I, and so they, God gave me imaginations for something. I, I, I see them going up to him and, and going, hey, uh, master, uh, you remember John? You know, that guy that was eating locusts and wild honey and all that, you know, camel hair outfit? Well, he wants to know. I got you. I got no question. But John wants to know if you're the one. And it's almost like they're expecting, what do you mean am I the one? You know, you, you, you have it, but that's not how Jesus responds to him. And it's not how Jesus responds to us. When John finds himself questioning his faith, when he finds himself doubting his own ministry, when he sees him in a place where he's going, man, has all this been for nothing? Have, have I done all this for nothing? See, John doesn't know that Jesus' ministry is going to lead him to Calvary's cross. All he knows is he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't know that Jesus is going to give himself as a sacrifice. So he can't figure out why he's in that jail while he's out doing ministry. But Jesus says, just show him again. Just remind him that it all hasn't been in vain. It all hasn't been for nothing. That there is a day coming. Let John know that I'm doing exactly what I promised I would do. That the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame are walking, and the poor, the poor 
John, there's not anyone that's so poor that he hasn't taken time to share the gospel with them. And there's not anyone so rich that he's turned away from the gospel. Whosoever will, let him come. Show him again. I can see those disciples go back to John, and John's anxiously waiting in prison. He knows his, his life isn't going to last much longer. There's a ruler that put him in that prison that's got a wife that hates him. And if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So he's, he, he's concerned about... They show up, he hears the key, enter the door, and they walk in, and John anxiously awaits. Did he tell you? Did he, did he tell you that he's the one? Everything that I've done, it, it's not been in vain, right? Did he say he's the one? And they look at each other, and they start thinking about it. They say, well, no, no, he... Actually, he didn't say that. What? Well, we, we never really got around. I sent you to find out if he's the one. What did he say? Well, John, he told us to show you again what we saw and heard. And John, we saw some stuff, man. <laughs> John, we heard there was this guy that was blind, and he walked up and spit in his eye, or spit in the clay, put it in his eye, and all of a sudden the guy started yelling, I can see, I can see. I saw this guy that had not walked for 38 years, and man, he was running races when Jesus got through with him. There was a lady that couldn't hear, and when he put his hands on her ears, she could hear a pen drop. John, he's preaching to everybody. <laughs> he will not be bought off. <laughs> and he will not turn away from those that everyone else turns away from. Now hang out here with me for a second because, see, we got our own idea about who everybody else turns away from. You remember that guy named Matthew? Matthew had a lot of money. And all the Jews turned away from him. Why? Because he was a tax collector. And sometimes people wear a chip on their shoulder. Turn around, look at your name and say, I mean, look at your name, look at your neighbor and say, hey, my name's Chip. What do you get at? Sometimes, sometimes we got a chip on our shoulder. Have you ever been there? Come on, let's be honest with each other. You ever been there? All of a sudden, your neighbor gets a brand new car and yours isn't working right? I can't believe you gave them a car, God. I know I'm holier than they are. I know I'm more, I pray more than that. I can't believe you gave them a brand new car. Do you not see me over here? How is that fair? Chip, you better get your name changed. Jesus isn't partial he loves everybody John we saw this with our own eyes you remember that guy named Lazarus not 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 the one that Jesus was talking about 
with the rich man, this other guy named, you know, Mary and Martha's brother. You remember him? Yeah, I, I, I heard he was dead. He, well, he ain't anymore. <laughs> he was, but John, Jesus raised him up out of the grave. And I can't help but think that a smile broke across John's face. You saw that. Yeah. You saw all these things. Yeah. And, and what did he tell you to tell me again? He said, just to show you again. He wanted us to remind you. He said, take a second look. He was trying to say that what you've gone through hasn't been for nothing, that the kingdom of God is going forward, John, that everything's going to be okay. And, oh, John, 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 before I forget, there was one more thing that he said. What was that? We, we were walking out, and, and he stopped us, and he, he said, wait a minute. He said, make sure that you tell John this. Tell John, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Translation, if you can get through this life without throwing up your hands and quitting because you don't understand what's going on, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And I can't help but think that John begins to smile. Executioner coming for him, taking him to get his head chopped off. John passes by Herod and looks at Herod and says, if you think you had problems with me, you ain't seen nothing yet because he's the one. He, he is the one. Once John was shown again, John found the courage to go again. What's Jesus' answer to us? The same answer he gave John. Let me show you again. Let me remind you that this isn't the end. That when you're going through a circumstance or a situation that you don't understand, that God is able. You don't have to understand. You just need to trust God. How many of you have ever been on a plane? Are you serious? You mean to tell me you got, on, you, you got in a plane in that death capsule and let somebody carry you five miles straight up into the air and you don't even know how it works? Did you go check the pilot's license out before you got on? Did you, did you go, did, did you ask the stewardess, is there a parachute on board? You, you explain this one to me. I'm five miles in the air, and they put a life jacket under my seat, a floaty device. Honey, I don't need a floaty device. I, I need a parachute. But you get in it. You get on it, and you trust. Without a moment's hesitation, you trust because you believe that the person that is behind that flight uh, wants to make it home too. Oh, you need to hear what I'm saying today. Uh, not only does Jesus want to come after you, uh, he's already made it. He said, I'm going to come and get you. Just show me again. So do me a favor, would you? If you see me floundering in my faith, if you see me faltering with my belief, 
don't write me off. Don't just walk by and, and especially don't agree with me and say, I don't blame you, John. I'd feel the same way if he let me up in here. No, if you love me, come and show me again that he's still God and that he's still able and that what you're going through isn't the end of the journey. I'm reminded of, if you would stand with me, I'm reminded of a story I heard about a man that had served years in the missionary field. And after years of service, some, if I remember right, some 20 years in a mission field, he was coming home. When he arrived at the train station, he saw banners that said, welcome home. His heart started getting excited and he, he began to think, wow, wow, the, look at all those people that have come to greet me, to welcome me home. Look at that. And, 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 and as he, he started to step off the train, uh, another man stepped off in front of him and everybody hollered and started screaming. And it was some sports figure and the whole parade was gone following him and welcome him him back and the missionary stood there alone after 20 years of hardship after 20 years of suffering after 20 years of giving his all he stood alone and he looked up and he said God I serve all these years and nobody's even here to welcome me and the Lord spoke to him and said son you're not home yet <laughs> when you get home do you know what happened today in heaven we baptized a young man in this service today and in heaven angels started throwing a party <laughs> It said that they rejoice over one that comes back. They started having a party, and, and Jason, I mean, Kason's going to have a party a little bit later. But I guarantee you, and I, and I love your family, and they're great people, but the guests that you're going to have at your house can't compare to the guests that were at his house today. <laughs> Show me again. Don't let me die wondering don't allow my circumstance or my situation to overcome me. If you love me, come and pick up my hand and say, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Your ministry hasn't been in vain. Your words haven't gone unheard. Who you are is important. And Jesus knows who you are. This guy with all the questions, this is what Jesus says about him. Among those that have been born among women, there's not one greater than John the Baptist. 
What's he saying? He's saying, I remember you, John. When he died, Jesus tried to get away by himself because he loved John. He saw John in the prison. He saw what he was going through and he felt for him. And he sees you. He sees what you're going through and he feels for you. He's not going to leave you alone. Among all that have been born, there's not one greater than John the Baptist. Now hear it. And then Jesus looks and he sees you. He looks into the future and he sees us. And this is what he says. But the very least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. What's he saying? He's saying John left on this side of Calvary. But there's a group coming that'll be on the back side of Calvary. And they're going to experience me in a way like no one else ever has. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven and love him with me right now? So if you're in this building today and you've got questions, you're in this building and you've struggled, let me show you again. Let me show you that who you are is valuable. That all you've gone through hasn't been in vain and it hasn't been for nothing. That God is not just using your mountaintops, but he's also using your valleys. And just the same way that I attempted to show you again in this service this morning, I wonder if you'll commit when you leave this service to show others that God loves them that Christ died for them and that no matter where they are on their journey they're not alone would you stretch your hands and love them with me right now Father we thank you if you're in this house and you're saying Pastor I, I just need some help I'm in, I'm in a difficult place now and I just need to be reminded I want you to come right now very quickly very quickly thank you Father if not, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take someone by the hand. Come on. See, every here's the thing is a lot of times people say, oh, I know how you feel. You can't know how I feel unless you've walked a mile in my shoes. Jesus was the only one that could say, I know how you feel. How could he say that? Because the Bible said that he was tempted in like manner as we were. That everything you've gone through, he went through first. He experienced it. Then he's saying, look, you can rejoice because I've overcome the world. He's saying, you, you don't have to worry. And you've been made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Father, I pray that even now, God, you hold her in your hand. Show her your love again. Show her how that you've been there. Lord, that when I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again. Yeah.
I want you to purpose something in your heart. I'm not giving up. I am not giving up. Peter made a statement one time. He said, Lord, though I'll, I'll deny you, I'll never deny you. And Peter found himself on the back side of that. And he, and he, man, he beat himself up over it. When they told, when that angel sent to tell his disciples, the angel mentioned Peter by name. Why? Because Peter didn't feel like he was a disciple anymore. Peter felt like I ran out on him when he needed me most. He can't, he can't still love me. And Jesus spoke his name. He told that angel, you tell them that I'm going to go before them and mention Peter. Because I know where Peter's at right now. Oh, friend, he knows where we're at. He knows exactly where we're at. He knew where John was. And he was telling John, it hasn't been in vain. It hasn't been for nothing. You've done what I've called you to do. And the best is yet to come. The best is still getting ready to happen. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, can we say this together? I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. And if I see you discouraged, I'm going to show you again that he's Lord, that he's able, that he cares. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not, I, I don't want to put you on a spot, but I want, I want you to promise something. Are you, are you ready? I want you to promise that the same way that God has been faithful to send encouragement to you and show you again that you'll do that for someone else. Will you do it? Will you do it? Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. We love you. Remember, the best is still yet to come.